Welcome to Olden Code Crimes. My main focus is on true crime, including code cases, disappearances, and murders. The purpose of this podcast is not just to talk about the crimes, but to keep them alive and, with your help, solve some along the way. You can follow me on social media in the links in the description. And if you have case suggestions, you can email them to odencodecrimes at gmail.com. Aisha Degree was born on August 5, 1990, to Harold and Aquila Degree in Shelby, North Carolina. Shelby is a small suburb about 40 miles west of Charlotte with a population of just over 20,000. She lived in a two-bedroom apartment on Oak Crest Drive, a few miles north of the city limits of Shelby, with her parents and older brother, O'Brien. Aisha and O'Brien were very close. They were less than a year apart in age, and their mother described their bond as being thick as thieves. Aisha was a fourth grader at Faustin Elementary School. Classmates said she was lighthearted, funny, and happy. She was a very likable person and made friends with everyone. Faustin Elementary School teachers and staff said Aisha was an outstanding student with an exceptional attendance record. Aisha loves sports, especially basketball. She played on her school's peewee basketball team, the Faustin Elementary Bulldogs. She was a star player and was the point guard on her team. When she wasn't playing at school, Aisha and her brother were playing in the driveway. The family didn't have a computer in the home, and the kids didn't watch a lot of TV. Aisha's parents wanted to protect her and O'Brien from negativity and harm, so they spent a lot of time playing together. Family described Aisha as bright, shy, quiet, and sweet. Her mother Aquila said, She was the type of child that would give you the shirt off her back. She never wanted anybody mad at her for anything. She wanted everybody to be her friend, and she wanted everybody to be happy. Her mother also said Aisha was cautious and content with the limits set for her and her brother. There were only three things Aisha was afraid of. The dark, storms, and dogs. Aisha Degree disappeared in the early morning hours on January 14th of 2000 from her home in Shelby, North Carolina. She was nine years old. Not only was it Valentine's Day, but her parents' anniversary. Harold and Aquila were married in 1998, two years before Aisha's disappearance. Aisha's parents were set to celebrate their wedding anniversary with the purchase of a new home. They had an appointment to meet a realtor that morning. On Friday, February the 11th, there was no school, so the children spent the day with their Aunt Alicia, who lived just down the street in the same neighborhood. Both Aisha and her brother O'Brien had keys to their apartment. Since both of their parents worked, it wasn't unusual for the kids to let themselves into the house after school, do their homework, and wait for their parents to get home. But on this particular Friday, both children had basketball practice and their Aunt Alicia was taking them that evening. The next day, Saturday, February the 12th, both Aisha and O'Brien had basketball games. Aisha's game was first. She fouled out of the game and couldn't finish playing alongside her teammates. The team went on to lose the game, 
making it their first loss of the season. Aisha was very upset about the loss. Her mother and teammates helped her calm down and told her it wasn't her fault. O'Brien's game was next. She watched his game along with her parents, and by the time it was finished, Aisha's spirits were rising. After the games were over, the family headed home for the night. Aisha's family said that by the next day, Sunday, February 13th, Aisha had shook off the loss of the game and was back to her old self. The family attended services at Macedonia Missionary Baptist Church in Waco, North Carolina, where Aisha attended since birth. After church, they had lunch at their aunt's house, and then the family returned home. Harold went to work at his second job at PPG Industries Sunday evening. Aquila put Aisha and O'Brien to bed around 8 p.m. Harold returned home from work around midnight. Around 2.30 a.m. on Monday, February the 14th, Aisha's father checked on her and O'Brien in the bedroom they shared, and they were both in their beds asleep. Sometime after their father checked on them, O'Brien heard Aisha moving around. He saw his sister standing in the bedroom in her nightgown. O'Brien said she went to the restroom and then went back to bed. A little later, he heard Aisha's bed squeaking. He thought it was just her turning over, so he didn't think anything of it and went back to sleep. Aquila woke up somewhere between 5.45 and 6.15 on February the 14th of 2000, just a few hours after Harold checked on the children. Around 6.30 a.m., Aquila went to the children's room to wake them up for their baths and to get them ready for school. Normally, they would get their baths in the evening, but there had been a car accident that knocked power out to the house the previous evening. When Aquila entered their room, O'Brien was in his bed sleeping, but Aisha was not there. Aquila looked around the house thinking Aisha was already up and about, but she couldn't find her. She woke up Harold and O'Brien to help her search. Aquila went outside and checked in their cars, but Aisha wasn't there either. Harold called Aisha's Aunt Alicia and grandmother Joanne to see if she was there. She was not with them, and they hadn't seen her since the day before. Harold and Aquila called the police. Police arrived at their home within 10 minutes with canine units in tow, and the investigation started. Checking the house, the police found no signs of forced entry, and all the doors were locked. This indicated to law enforcement that Aisha was not abducted from inside the house, and there were no obvious signs of where she went. While police were investigating around the house, Harold, Aquila, and O'Brien went door to door asking if anyone had seen Aisha. They called out for her. There was no response, and no one had seen her. The search dogs could not pick up on Aisha's scent. This was most likely because it was storming and windy that morning. According to Weather Underground, the temperature was right around 40 degrees with heavy rain and wind. The combination of rain and wind tends to diffuse the scent, and search dogs can't track it. A foot search ensued by not only Aisha's parents and investigators, but also her community. But nothing was found the first day. Hundreds of volunteers came in to help with the land search. 
the North Carolina State Bureau of Investigation, and the FBI joined the Cleveland County Sheriff's Office in the investigation. Police found a mitten, but Aisha's mother, Aquila, said it did not belong to her daughter. Investigators discovered some items missing from Aisha's room. These included a pair of sneakers, a pair of pants, a purse with Tweety Bird on it, and Aisha's backpack. This confused investigators and Aisha's family because it was cold and stormy with heavy rain and winds, but Aisha did not take her coat. After searching the home, investigators believed she packed her backpack prior to disappearing. What was missing looked like something a child would pack rather than an adult preparing for an overnight trip. Since her backpack and clothes were gone, there was no signs of forced entry, and the doors were locked, police determined she had left on her own and locked the door behind her. Investigators wondered if it had to do with her being upset after fouling out of the basketball game and the subsequent loss. But her mom, Aquila, said she was in good spirits on Sunday and never threatened to leave. There were few clues as to why she left, and that was the question everyone wanted the answer to. Why did Aisha leave? As the day wore on, reports of Aisha's disappearance hit the news and tips started coming in. Two drivers said they saw a young girl fitting Aisha's description walking on Highway 18 around 4 a.m. on February 14, 2000. She was walking towards the city of Shelby, about 1.3 miles south of Aisha's home, near the intersection of highways 18 and 180. This was in the opposite direction of Aisha's home. They said the child was carrying a backpack and wearing a long-sleeved white t-shirt. Investigators confirmed this was most likely Aisha because it matched what was missing from her room and what she was wearing. One of the drivers said they were concerned about the young girl walking on the highway by herself, so they turned around. He said he called out to her to see if she needed help, but Aisha got scared and ran back into the woods. The driver lost sight of her. That was the last confirmed sighting of Aisha Degree. On February 15th of 2000, 36 hours after Aisha's disappearance, Debbie Turner, the owner of Turner's Upholstery, off Highway 18, about a mile from Aisha's home, found some items just inside the doorway of a shed on her property where they kept equipment, including a tractor. She didn't make the connection between the items she found and Aisha's disappearance, so she didn't call the police. Two days later, on February 17th, investigators came to the property and asked Debbie for permission to search it. Debbie Turner remembered finding the items and told the police what she had found. The items included candy wrappers, a pencil, a marker, and a Mickey Mouse hair bow. Investigators found more candy wrappers along the road close to where Aisha was last seen. The candy wrappers were confirmed as being hers because Aisha's basketball team was given this candy as part of a Valentine's celebration. The pencil, marker, and Mickey Mouse hair bow was confirmed as Aisha's by the family. Canine search dogs were brought in again to assist, but they were not able to pick up on Aisha's scent. Investigators found no signs of a struggle or any other evidence in the shed, and a search of the property and the area around it failed to produce any other evidence. 
A week after Aisha's disappearance, the search was called off. To that point, there were 9,000 man-hours invested in searching the area around Aisha's home and where she was last seen, and very little was found. In March of 2000, with no new leads or suspects, investigators started looking at the family. While they stated publicly that they did not suspect Harold nor Aquila had anything to do with their daughter's disappearance, they did ask them to take a polygraph. Both Harold and Aquila passed. Over several months, the family made pleas through the media with hopes of finding Aisha. In one plea, Aquila says Aisha is her baby and begs anyone who took her or has seen her to please bring her back. They appeared on the Montel Williams show, America's Most Wanted, and the Oprah Winfrey show aired segments covering the case. But these rendered no new evidence. The FBI tried making a profile of a possible suspect, but there was not enough evidence to do so. The Department of Justice sent Kimberly Poyer, a child interview specialist, to interview Aisha's friends to see if they knew anything about her disappearance. But again, no new evidence was discovered. Investigators kept working the case and received new tips every day, and they investigated them, but they were all dead ends. On August 3, 2001, Terry Fleming, a contractor in Burke County, about 26 miles north on Highway 18, was clearing a lot for a house to be built in the Laurel Fork area, about 50 yards off the highway. As he was grading, he dug up a black trash bag. He opened it, and there was another trash bag inside of it. Curious, he opened the second bag, and there was a backpack inside. He found a piece of paper with Aisha's name and phone number inside. He was not aware of Aisha's disappearance, but he had a strange, uncomfortable feeling. He shared this with his wife the next morning, and she told him to call the police. Police were puzzled about the location of her backpack because this was 26 miles north of where she was last seen, traveling south a mile away from her home. Search and Rescue responded and searched the area. They found a pair of men's khaki pants, but it was determined they were unrelated to the case. No new evidence in Aisha's disappearance was found. The FBI sent the backpack for forensic testing. The results of this have never been released to the public. The discovery of the backpack confirmed for police that foul play was involved. Investigators believe whoever took Aisha buried the backpack in the woods where it was found. This would be the last piece of evidence to be found in Aisha's disappearance. Over the next several years, while some considered this a cold case, investigators did not. They kept getting tips and investigated each one. Unfortunately, they all were dead ends. In 2015, the FBI announced a joint effort between the FBI, the Cleveland County Sheriff's Office, and the North Carolina State Bureau of Investigation to reopen the investigation. They re-examined all evidence and re-interviewed all witnesses. They offered a reward of $25,000 for any information leading to an arrest in the disappearance of Aisha, and $20,000 was raised locally, bringing the total reward 
to $45,000. Unfortunately, no new evidence came from the reinvestigation. In 2016, the FBI and the Cleveland County Sheriff's Office received information indicating that a child fitting Asia's description was seen getting into a dark green car on Highway 18 close to where she was last seen. The vehicle was described as an early 1970s model Lincoln Continental Mark IV or a Ford Thunderbird with rust around the wheels. Investigators tried to locate vehicles fitting the description that were registered at the time of Asia's disappearance. The vehicle has never been located. In 2018, investigators released that there were items in Asia's backpack that did not belong to her. They wanted to see if anyone could identify where these items came from or who they belonged to. One item was a New Kids on the Block concert t-shirt. The other was a children's book, McElligot's Pool by Dr. Seuss. The book was from the library at Asia's school, Faustin Elementary, but was not checked out by Asia. What happened to Asia Degree is still a mystery, and the case is still active. Investigators say for a nine-year-old who left home willingly for whatever reason, and to not have been found in 22 years, someone else had to be involved. They believe someone had to have met or planned to meet her, or a stranger may have come along and picked her up while she was walking. Investigators say most nine-year-olds don't get out of bed in the middle of the night on a February morning and leave for no reason. But finding clues was more difficult because when Asia disappeared in 2000, there was no digital evidence left behind. The family did not have cell phones, so there were no phone records that could be retrieved. There was no computer in the home, so while it's not likely she was lured out of the house that way, there was no computer history to review. There was no surveillance video in that area to review. And the card team of the FBI didn't exist in 2000. The card team is a child abduction rapid deployment team. It was created in 2005, and it consists of a team of FBI personnel from across the country who are experts in child abduction cases. They are a resource for any state or local law enforcement. A CARD team was deployed in 2017 to help reevaluate the case. A few months prior, Special Agent Jim Granazio and his team received a copy of the case file. He said they take the case file and rip it apart. We take the puzzle pieces, dump them on the floor, and then retake each piece of puzzle, pick it up, look at it, and evaluate it. They spent two weeks working on Aisha's case. But unfortunately, the investigation rendered no new evidence, leads, or suspects. While they were only there for two weeks, the CARD team is available for investigators to use at any time in the future. It's been 22 years since Aisha's disappearance, but it is not a code case. Investigators are still actively investigating it and are committed to finding out what happened to her. They still receive tips today from across the country and each one is investigated thoroughly. 
The FBI has sent agents to many states over the years, including Florida, Michigan, and California, to follow up on leads. They have followed up on hundreds of leads and conducted hundreds of interviews. In 2004, an inmate incarcerated at a local prison claimed he killed Asia. He told authorities where he left the body, and investigators scoured the scene where he told them she was, but they only found animal remains. Authorities said the inmate lied to them, but they do not know why. In 2020, another inmate said he heard rumors about an inmate who had killed Asia and buried her. Police investigated it, but it was a dead end. With advancements in DNA and other technology since 2000, investigators are hopeful that as they continue to actively investigate Asia's disappearance, something will surface to help solve the case. Family, friends, and investigators continue to emphasize the importance of the public in helping to solve Asia's disappearance. They all firmly believe someone out there knows something, but for whatever reason, they will not come forward. Aisha's family is holding on to hope with everything they have. Her mother, Aquila, said, After 20 years, I still believe my daughter is alive. I do not believe she is dead. And I know somebody knows something. I'm not crazy enough to think that a nine-year-old can disappear into thin air without somebody knowing something. Investigators agree. Investigators, family, and friends encourage anyone with information to come forward. Harold and Aquila decided to stay in the apartment in the years following Aisha's disappearance, hoping she would find her way home. They have since moved into a new home and said it was not an easy decision. But they know no matter where they live, it is Aisha's home. Aquila said, no matter where we live, we are going to always be her parents, and we are going to always be looking for her. We still love her. We haven't given up on her. Even though it's been over 22 years since Aisha's disappearance, it's never too late to contact law enforcement. The Cleveland County Sheriff's Office said, Our search for Aisha Degree won't stop until we find her. Even if you think you do not have information that is helpful, you may know something that could be a key to our case. Billboards are still posted along the road where Aisha was last seen. The FBI released an updated age progression photo of what Aisha might look like at age 30. Even though Aisha would be over 30 years old, she is known as Shelby's sweetheart. Since the day she disappeared, her community has lent their efforts to help find her, and they will not give up. Her mother Aquila said she prays every night that someone will come forward. Her and Harold hope and pray Aisha had a halfway decent life even though they didn't get to raise her. Although they have missed 22 years of Aisha's life, they don't care. Her mother said, If she walked in the door right now, I wouldn't care what I missed. All I want to do is see her. She is still our child still the nine-year-old girl that left. Aquila went on to say she would not wish this on her worst enemy. Aisha disappearing is worse than death because there is no closure. When someone dies, you can visit a gravesite, 
or have an urn at home. But for her and Harold, they can't mourn because they still hold on to hope that Aisha is still alive. If you have any information regarding this case, please contact the Cleveland County Sheriff's Office, the FBI, or the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. That's it for this episode of Odin Code Crimes. If you have information regarding this case, contact details are in the description. Please be sure to check out my YouTube channel for this case and others with images, videos, news releases, and more. Thank you for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.